it's an honor to be here and share my faith with you today. And we are going to be uh, walking through Psalms 139. And Psalms 139 is one of my very favorite psalms. And I don't have the ability to force you to do anything. What I would like, if you would indulge me for the next couple of hours as we go through this today, um, is, oh, you guys are laughing. Oh, that wasn't supposed to be, okay, never mind. But I promise I'll get you out of here soon. But as you guys are listening to this scripture, I would like for you to have a piece of paper or your phone to take notes and quiet your heart and your mind. And as I read through this particular Psalm, This is David's psalm. I mean, he is crying out to the Father, calling out to him. And I want you to be paying attention to the intimacy that is shared between him and the Father, to be able to speak with the Father as he does in this psalm. The emotion, the depth of connection and as you're listening with not just your mind to intellectually learn more about this, but with your heart, just hear the Father speak. And I'll say that flippantly, guys. If there is something in this scripture that the Father just puts on your mind that stands out more than anything else, just write it down. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be just a word or a part of the phrase. Or if there's something that it reminds you of, just write it down and come back to it later today. Because I think that he has something for each of us in the midst of this. We could spend hours. This, like I said, is my favorite psalm. And we could spend all day just talking line by line through this very and probably still never get close to the depths of this. And so it's impossible for me to go through all of it, but I want to hit on some points, but just listen for the Father to speak to you as I read this. <coughs> Sorry back there in the sound booth for coughing into the mic. First service, my daughter told me that I need to protect the mic if I cough, and I failed to remember. All right, here we go. Psalms 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me 
and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate innermost parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be even numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. O oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme me, blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you.
and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We're just going to pause for a moment. Take a moment just to write down. If you didn't catch it, just think through and just, I'm going to give you a moment and just write down what the Father spoke to you, what stood out from that scripture to you so that he may help it marinate in your soul as you leave even today. One of the things that catches my attention as I've been reading this over and over and just marinating on it for almost a month now, intently just for today, I noticed how David in awe, in pure awe of God opens up that he starts with, you know, you know everything about me. You know everything about me. And he's in awe of who God is, how much higher his ways and his thoughts are, how grateful he is. There is a great intimacy in his words that he uses. You can just feel the emotion that David has for God. That intimacy doesn't happen in a passive sense. It doesn't happen accidentally. You can tell that David has spent time with God intimately and wanting to be more known by him. A lot of things over my 22 or 23 years of doing therapy now, I hear um, over and over um, wrong narratives things that we tell ourselves and that we believe that quite frankly are just wrong, but yet we believe them wholeheartedly and live out of them daily. I really think I agree with Willard when Willard said, you know, that every problem that we have can be broke down into two main categories. He says, a wrong narrative about who God is and who we are in relationship with God can encapsulate every problem that we deal with today. So if you have a wrong narrative about either one of those things, we're not going to bear great fruit and not be able to experience the fullness of his joy. Some of those false narratives that I've heard many times over the years we can believe that he is distant. He's a distant and rigid God. He set things in motion and then just cast us out, just to let us fend for ourselves. He must not care to go on the journey with us. He's far too busy to really want to spend time with me. 
He has so many bigger issues to worry about. Little old me, I shouldn't bother him with my pettiness. I should be able to handle more of this without him. And plus, other people have much greater needs than I do. So I'll reserve his, you know, blessing and his provision for others. Just like the song said, like we believe that it would be used up. What kind of scarcity gospel is that? Right? I don't know about you guys, but I believe in an abundant God. That if I cry out to him every minute of every day, he is still going to hear every one of those cries. My sighs and cries are not missed by him. Nor does he miss yours. Another one of the false narratives that I hear a lot is because I have done X, he is no longer interested in being close to me because of his disappointment and what I have done, who I have become, he's no longer interested in being close with me. And I tell you, those narratives lead us to really living out lies. And one of those lies as a foundational piece is that if we believe that he's going to be disappointed enough if he knows our junk, then we try to hide it. We try to hide our junk from him. It's senseless, right? He knows everything, eternal past to eternal future. He knows it all. But for us to not go in front of him to share those things is our attempt to hide. So we're not going to disappoint him if he just doesn't know it, if we don't share it with him. Think about our relationships here on earth. We do that very similar way with our close relationships. One of the greatest predictors of how we relate to the Father is how we relate to those the closest to us. If you try to hide from people close to you, you're more than likely going to be trying to hide from the Father as well. It's not always comfortable to share junk with your friends and say, this is what I'm going through. And it's not always easy to go in front of the Father and say, here I am again. Here I am again. I can't go back and fix it, and I can't go ahead and control it, but you promised to be here, and I'm sorry. Sorry. That's hard to do. Because we have to acknowledge our own brokenness. And I think many want to see themselves much higher than what we are. Whether that's in an episode or just a lifestyle, we want to believe better of ourselves because if we don't, we know there's growth. And if there's growth, it's going to take effort. And if there's effort, it's going to be hard. And we're tired. But that goes, goes back to reveal our false narrative about us doing it alone and having to do it alone. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. 
So how can we create a true narrative and live that out? First of all, there was a first century guy, uh, theologian Paternus, that this quote was ascribed to. He said, first of all, my child, think magnificently of God. Magnify his providence. Adore his power. Pray to him frequently and incessantly. Bear him always in mind. Teach your thoughts to reverence him in every place, for there is no place where he is not. Therefore, my child, fear and worship and love God. First and last, think magnificently of him. How often do we just dwell on the vastness of his love? How much time do we spend to say, I'm in awe of you? Rather than, as one of my friends told me as I was talking about this message, he said, well, I spend, I don't know about you, but I spend 90% of my time talking foolishness to him and then 10% trying to repent for the foolishness that I've just talked to him about, right? And I think that's more honest than most of us like. But I think there's truth there. But how can we think magnificently of him? David starts off by expressing that. He's in awe of him. Even though God knows everything about him. Right? That can be kind of scary when everybody, when someone knows everything about you. Sometimes as a therapist, I am like the leper, right? Like, oh, they know this about me, right? And so some people will be friendly and want to be close, and other people will go, no, 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 they know my baggage. I am staying as far away as possible, right? And if you ever want to risk a long conversation, just tell the person on the plane next to you you're a therapist, and uh, let's just see where that goes. Um, but I don't know that we think and study and embrace the vastness of his love enough. And I want to challenge you guys just to think of that. And maybe even at the end of your day, hour by hour, to go back and just ask him, God, show me hour by hour where you were present with me today. Show me where you were today. It's a phenomenal practice to end the day. Try it sometime. Think about it. He will reveal that to you. Colossians 3 is a phenomenal chapter to memorize that we can think about being treasures hidden within Christ, in God, that we are hidden with Christ in God. To spend time thinking about what it really means to be known by God. To be known by God means the following. You guys know these truths, but as the song says, I think that remembering is important. Remembering is important. You are created by him, as David pointed out, 
and we belong to him. You are chosen by God even before you were born. You, every one of you, are a child of God. You are an unceasing spiritual being and you have an eternal destiny. And we will rule throughout eternity with him. This is so powerful when we can really allow our hearts and minds to be marinated in that kind of truth. It helps weed out false narratives that start to creep in. In the Gospel of John, we learn of a story of Nathanael. Jesus goes to Galilee and meets Philip. And he shares his story, his life with Philip. And Philip is just in awe of Christ and goes and finds his friend, his very dear close friend, Nathaniel. He goes and finds him. He's like, hey, dude, you got to check this out, right? That guy that they talked about, Moses wrote about, you know, and man, the prophets wrote about, that dude's actually here. You got to come check this out, right? You can hear that conversation going just like that, right? And so Nathaniel was very skeptical. Many have come before saying they were the Christ. He didn't say this, but he, in my mind, he would have said this. There's many others. I'll go because it's you, Philip, but I don't know. So as they're starting to walk to go back and meet Jesus, Jesus sees him coming from a ways away. And as he's drawing closer, Jesus speaks up and he says, here's an Israelite. In him, there's no deceit. He hadn't been introduced to Nathanael yet. Did you catch that? As he was walking up, Jesus says this to him. And I don't know about you, but that'd be a little bit creepy. Like, dude, like, I believe all the great things you just said about me, but how do you know, right? What else do you know about me? Have you been reading my mail? What's going on? And Christ says back to him, man, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip even called you. Daniel, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you. If Jesus came right into this room right now and looked you in the eye and said, I know you, and there's no deceit within you, or let's just keep the no deceit in you, and he just said, I know you. How many of you would freak out and go, I hope he doesn't bring it up. I hope he doesn't bring it up. Oh, Nathaniel's like, okay, I agree with all that stuff, but like, how do you know? It's scary when every, you know, everything is known about you. But Nathaniel was pretty calm. Nathaniel was actually the first disciple to accept that call 
Philip being the second. I think being known is that critical, that, that piece of saying, I knew you before you were even called. I knew you. I knew you. He knows everything. Eternity past to eternity present to future. He knows it all. We are all broken. We all have jacked up things about our thinking, our behaving, things in our life that we would like to grow in or maybe should grow in. Motivations within us that we know still need growth and improvement, each and every one of us. One of the greatest lies is saying that we've arrived. But every one of us is broken. And in order to have the intimacy with the Father, we have to first acknowledge that truth. Therefore, we can cry out to Him and we can take an active role of picking up our cross, taking ownership of that. When it talks about picking up our cross, this is what it's talking about, to own our brokenness. If we own that, we pick it up, then he can work with us and is going to walk with us to help carry that. There's a lot to that. A lot to that. But the other active part of that is that we each get a place. We get a choice of where we place that brokenness. We can place that brokenness under the blessing that says, you are my beloved. That truth and being able to put our brokenness under that blessing to know that all of our sins are going to be forgiven. That we are, can cry out to him and those sins are going to be as far from the east as from the west. Or we can choose to place it under the curse, which says we aren't good enough and we never will be good enough. I want to choose to place it under the blessing. To place it under the blessing. You know, some, some, may have already begun to believe uh, that it's impossible to up, unroot and um, pull up those, I guess, dark parts of our, our soul that to clean it up. Some of you may have already started believing that it's too far gone. Well, that's bunk. That's bunk. That there is nothing that can separate us. Nothing. So please don't, don't settle for living distant from him. Cry out and enjoy his presence in that intimacy. When he says, lead me along the path of the everlasting, this is an expression of David's desire and his determination to be like, I know I'm going to heaven and I'm excited about it, right? I have been written in your book all of my days, and I look forward to that. This invitation to be searched, you know, 
is one that we have to cultivate with our relationships um, with the Father, but also here. Because just as we're coming up to the end of the service here before not very much longer, that we begin to think about benediction and about why we would invite the Father to search us. One of the reasons why we would invite him to search us is so that we can be poured out for his glory, so that we can become food and drink, so we can become Jesus for other people to experience, so that we can help them experience Jesus more fully themselves, within themselves. Amen? There's a faith leader, and he was standing in front of his congregation, and at the end of the benediction, benediction, good, good things, and diction, speaking, speaking good things, and he's standing in front of the congregation who is a mentally impaired, physically challenged population, and he stands in front of them and speaks a blessing over the congregation. You are my beloved. You know, be blessed and go forth, right? A blessing upon them. And there was a woman in the front row. Just picture this if you would with me. Her name was Janet. And Janet was sitting on the front row. And as he pronounced that, she said, Henry! Cries out at the end of the service, Henry! It's like, what, what, what? And she said, Henry, I want a blessing. Henry's like, Janet, that's kind of what I just did, right? No, 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 Henry, that doesn't work. I want a blessing. Very direct. And so he turns to the congregation basically to say, please indulge me, Janet wants a blessing. And there's steps, and, you know, he steps down to Meadner, which I'm not going to take this step today, um, and he opens his arms, and his arms and his robe come out. And she just hugs him. And he envelops her. And then picks up her chin, picks up the chin, and says, Janet, you are a beautiful woman. Today, I see that you need to hear this again. You need to hear this again. You are a little low today, and you need to hear this. You are so wonderfully made. He loves you so deeply. He is pleased with you. And she looks up at him and says, Henry, you're right. This is true. And goes and sets down the confident shift from I need a blessing to going, yes, this is true. The power of that knowledge being spoken directly into you, it is meant for you. And as he let Janet go set back down, the rest of the congregation starts pouring out of their chairs and coming up and circles the front of the podium. And he goes person by person saying, you 
are loved. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You are my beloved and in whom I am well pleased. And he gets to the end of the line and his assistant was a huge Notre Dame football player. And he said, what about me? I want the blessing. And he said, okay, John. And he steps up to the bigger step, you know. He's a huge guy to get his arms he put on his shoulders. And he's like, John, you are loved. And John just starts weeping. As one man looks into another's eyes saying, you are loved. Passing that blessing on. There are hurting people all around us. Some of you may be that hurting person today that need to hear the truth again, to be reminded because you're just a little low today, to be able to say, I am placing my brokenness in front of him. My life is an open book to you, Father. I want to be transparent in front of you. I don't want to hide anything. I need to feel and sense your presence with me. I need to feel your love right now. There may be people that are sitting around you right now that the Father needs you to speak that blessing over them. Each of us have that power. It is not just that faith leader. It's not just the pastor. Each and every one of us has been called out and to be poured out in order for him to be able to reach others for his glory. Amen? Do we believe that today? Do we believe that we can be transparent fully in front of the Father to experience him fully? To say, I want that today. Regardless of the pain of the pruning, I trust you and I love you. I think especially for some of us dudes, it's hard to hear blessing. For many ladies, it is hard to hear blessing. For many it is much easier to hear, this is what I need to work on. This is what I can do. This is the part that I can actively play in my growth. But to hear somebody loves you and cares deeply about you, not because you're great at what you do or for how beautiful you are or for your productivity or how much money or anything else that you have, but because you are loved by the Father, they love you too. hope that we can pick up our cross today and, and really place it under the blessing and not the curse. I hope that as we go, the Father really impresses upon each of us to have eyes, to see the brokenness in others. See, when we 
can fully grasp that we're all jacked up and we have brokenness, we're able to see the brokenness in others as well. And then to have the boldness and courage to speak blessings over them. Join me in prayer. Liberating Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, my words are insufficient for the awe that I experience with you. Father, for those times that my awe of you is rather dull or even missing altogether, Father, I I plead for your grace and your mercy. Father, help me to better know the vastness of your love today. Help me to feel that pour over me, through me. And Father, help me to connect, to share that love with others, even today. Father, place on my heart the very person that you want me to speak that blessing to today. And Father, as I more fully experience that blessing myself, help me to share that with even more tomorrow. As they go, Father, just bless them, protect their hearts and their minds. And help each one, Father, hear your voice amongst all the chaos and the noise of this world. Father, help them to hear your voice singing with pure delight over each of them. Father, for it's in your son's powerful name that we pray. Amen. Blessings upon you guys, and we'll see you another day. Go and uh, be disciples.